0: Welcome to the Hire Truckers Podcast, where we interview experts in driver recruiting. We provide industry insights, marketing trends, and motivation to help you level up your recruiting game. Welcome to the Hire Truckers Podcast. This is Aaron Craddock, and I am your host. Uh, Today we have Brad Hackett joining us. Brad is a seasoned driver recruitment executive with over 15 years experience working in operations, logistics, recruitment technology, and in director of recruitment roles. Over the past few years, Brad pushes the boundaries around process and team improvements. Brad is currently serving as the Director of Recruiting and Retention at Novalines. I always enjoy his positive posts on LinkedIn and his professional development wins. And that's part part of why I reached out to Brad to have him
1: on the show. So welcome. Welcome, Brad. Awesome, Aaron. I really appreciate the introduction and having me on. Uh, Before we get started, I really just wanted to say not only how passionate I am about these topics for our industry and leaders collaborating, but also just the discussion amongst leadership. There's this weird stigma. I don't know if you've seen it as well. I don't know if it's specific to trucking or just leaders in general, but a lot of default mode of keeping things really close to chest and not sharing. And I just love the collaboration amongst leaders, discussion, best practices, and us working together to help each other win yeah
0: yeah one of the things i've noticed you know being in the industry around 12 years is yeah just the hesitancy to share best practices and things and so when we launched trucking clicks and got back into driver recruitment about two 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 and a half years ago like we put in our vivid vision like hey we're gonna publicly share the best practices marketing tips like even what we do to help fleets be successful and just facilitate a conversation. And because one of the things I noticed in our industry is the tendency to not share, like, well, what, first is to not celebrate other people's wins. And so I, I want our entire team to celebrate other vendors, other technologies, things. Because I, I think one of the things you had mentioned to me when we chatted, th- there's a big enough market, you know, there's enough market share for all of us. Like, we don't have to, you know, hold things close to our chest and like keep them as protected secrets, like hey, this even on the marketing side, you know like this Google strategy can you know with your first ten percent of your budget get you five times the results, like let's just share it and you know get it out there in the market and and then that puts pressure on the vendor' side, like that I'm on that hey, we can't be doing the same thing six months from now or we're gonna be out of a job and so but that just makes the whole market better. If we all share the information, everybody gets better at the same time. And, and then, you know, on the vendor side that we just provide a more competitive, you know, product for you. So I think, I think we can celebrate each other's success and then share things both on the vendor side and then amongst recruiters. Like I know, you know, uh, just several directors recruiting in my, my network that share with five others like, hey, here's a strategy that's working for me. Here's this vendor that's working for me. Here's this technology that's working for me, and and we all get better um, and it's not you know that if they get better, you're gonna be out of a job because they're gonna beat you. It's just kind of a completely different uh, mindset and so that so I really appreciate you sharing that and we're we're on the same page there so and our goal kind of this show today and most and most of our shows is just add as much value to the industry as possible. like how can we help executives? You know, improve how how they run their teams, um, how they communicate with with their recruiting department and other depart and retention departments, um, and then you know how can you know what it might be that somebody gets one little tip out of this show that improves retention by ten percent or five percent, and like it, it's hard to even put a dollar value on that when you're dealing with you know two hundred plus tr- truck fleet, for instance. So.
1: Yeah, We're all spending um, immense amounts of budget and a ton of time, big teams, big goals. And as you mentioned, Aaron, there's plenty of marketplace for us all to win and firmly believe leaning in each other, iron sharpening iron, and us all improving creates a healthy competition and healthy dialogue for us to drive each other forward. That's right.
0: And so the first section that we talk about on the show is industry insights. And so My first question on that is what data should recruiters pull and measure
1: success on to be metric driven in their recruitment improvement? Great question, Aaron. One thing I spent a decade in operations before being thrown in this wild world of driver marketing, recruiting, onboarding, retention kind of sector here. First thing there is uh, make sure your ATS and the vendors that you use, the data starts with what is feeding your funnel. So understanding your funnel, those key metrics, your cost per lead that's entering into your ATS. How are you converting those leads to applications? What does your approval process time look like internally as the drivers go through those steps? Those are key areas for not only your recruiters to help fine tune and maximize their skills, but also to make those financial decisions that you're spending a lot of money on all of those efforts. Making sure you're not dropping candidates through each of those steps, and then also fine tuning those adjustments so that you can maximize your spend and ultimately get the best performance out of your marketing and re- your recruiting efforts.
0: yeah, so if you had to if you had to dive into that a little deeper, like and let's say you're coming into a new recruiting department and you don't know your cost per hire, cost per lead you know, percentages through uh, to orientation, approval rate, all of those things. Like, where do, where do you even start?
1: Yeah, I believe you have to start with your process and the ATS that you use. If anybody in this space is not using an applicant tracking system, you, you got to get one to get set up. That's your source of truth for all of your driver data. There are several major players out there that do a fantastic job of setting up, all of your driver data and all of the intricate processes that we have to put drivers through, regulatory and internal processes included to help get through each of those steps. So with that, your funnel starts with what's feeding into that. So your marketing efforts, making sure you have that set up with your referral codes or whatever that looks like within your ATS to have that trackability top of funnel and throughout that process.
0: That's great. So specifically, kind of, I know you've been with a thousand-plus truck fleet, and then you know you're with a three hundred, approximately three hundred and fifty truck fleet now. So as you've come into these recruiting departments and improved both retention and uh, cost per hire metrics, like what are what are the most influential changes that you've made in these fleet recruiting departments?
1: Yeah. First thing is making sure that you're making good decisions and equipping your team with good and accurate data. So data-driven, concise, and consistent recruiting information that's in front of your recruiters that builds confidence in what they're selling. It creates that link between sales, what they're bringing into the organization, operations, what they're delivering day in and day out, and having that with the recruiters that this is what Mr. or Mrs. Driver we're going to be able to confidently deliver with coming into our organization. So what we've done, I did both uh, at Venture, like you said, 1,000-plus fleet, as well as at Nova Alliance, about 350 trucks today, is making sure those recruiters not only understand, but they've got a great structure, clear structure of what each of those jobs look like. So they understand the position that they're recruiting for, They've got the actual data in front of them of this is what we're delivering on. This is what the driver should expect from revenue to deductions to take home pay. And each of those intricate benefits of your program, both pros and cons. So that equips them with what that driver is actually going to experience with your organization. And you can get in front of any of those areas that could be a potential roadblock and build that confidence with the recruiters. So having that data-driven and also the clear structure. So it's ease of access as recruiters have so many steps in the process. A lot of those conversations with the drivers, being able to reference that information quickly for their confidence and their accuracy in what they're speaking with those prospective candidates is extremely key.
0: So even something as simple as just confidence in the job offer that they have clear numbers, have you seen that You know, make a tangible
1: impact? Yeah, one of the things we found when I was at Venture, they had a really complex, awesome model with a lot of dedicated positions. Our recruiters had to recruit for over 80 jobs across the country. So you can imagine 80 jobs, 80 different potential structures of pay package, the schedule that the drivers are going to be doing, types of equipment, on down every detail that can get quite cumbersome to keep up with. What we found in organizing that and getting it concise is getting that quick access to the recruiters makes those conversations a lot more fluid between the driver and the recruiter and equipping them with that accurate information to go off of. But what was surprising, Aaron, that we found and found in several instances here is by doing that research, there are certain positions that you're spot on. You're recruiting exactly what you're delivering for, which is great. But we found both ends of the spectrum of some we were overselling to drivers, leading to unnecessary turnover, and we were selling this number and only delivering on this number. So making that adjustment so you have truth in what you're marketing to, recruiting to, is beneficial for sure. But also, we found some other ends of the spectrum as well. We were advertising and speaking to, say, 1200 bucks take home a week, and the drivers were getting 1450 So getting that level set of data-driven data driven pieces of information to go off of to sell exactly what you're going to be able to deliver confidently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things we focus on at Trucking Clicks is just radical honesty. And I think that that's kind of what you're equipping your recruiters with is is honesty. And And I think I've seen with a lot of recruiting departments that they'll oversell the position. You know, I think that's the most common and, you know, whether it's regards to promising more home time than they actually get or or pay. Like, hey, you're going to get this much when, hey, the average driver may make 30% less. And so, it, so ha- have you seen it be worth it just to, again, like, let's just be radically honest, tell the driver even the pain points. Like, do you ever even dive into here are the pain points of a position? Yeah, that's one of the together. favorite
1: things. Our, we have a great team of recruiters here at Nova Lines. They do a fantastic job. We, we work together as a team and collaborate extremely well. But one of those areas, especially in the, the market shifts that we've seen, some radical market shifts here in the last couple of years, is that the radical candor and the honesty and upfrontness is so much more appreciated by those drivers of being able to say, this is what we're going to be able to deliver on. We're not selling you with this gimmicky bonus program or hopes and dreams of X, Y, or Z with our program. We're an over the road flatbed lease purchase company at Nova Lines. That's all we do. That's our specialty. So getting in front of the drivers got to be willing to tarp majority of the time. It's December here in the Midwest. We get some crazy we- weather swings across the country, dealing in the elements, not so fun sometimes. Our driver's lease purchase, they got to stay out two plus weeks at a time. If a driver's looking for that consistent daily home time, we're not a fit for them. So items like that of being real and upfront with the drivers of not only financially and equipment-wise and operationally, what you're going to expect at your organization, but also addressing those potential hurdles upfront in a recruiting conversation where you may be a fantastic candidate, meet all the criteria, but if our home time isn't a fit for what you're looking for, let's wish you the best and get you on your way and not lead you along on false pretenses or vagueness in your recruiting talking points. Let's just go ahead and be upfront and honest from that throughout the entire conversation.
0: Now I'm kind of curious. So then do you, do you shift those, like relabel those in your ATS, like if it's not a good fit, just
1: like not interested, like what, what status would you put on that? Yeah, extremely passionate on accurate data in your ATS. So extremely powerful tools with automation and every system, no matter what you use, any industry, it's only as good as the data and the processes that you put into it. So we would put, say a driver's not interested in home time for our program. We'd mark them as a not interested status. And then we've got an appropriate label for that within our ATS of it's home time related. So we can potentially reach back out with some marketing in the future to see if their home time, uh, what they're looking for potentially changed, areas like that within your system there.
0: Yeah, or your offer may change. I mean, you never know. Because I see some fleets not doing that, like not reclassifying, like just, hey, let's leave it there. And then they just have inaccurate data on and then they have a new recruiter come in and reach out to that guy that's already
1: been contacted. Right. He's already told you six months ago, it's not for me. And you're you're spamming them and wasting, not only spamming them and annoying the candidate, but wasting your precious time of your recruiter that could be spent with candidates that are actually interested. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And with good notes, you can call back and say, hey, I know this was home time related. Like, and then again, it's that touch point. You know, back to what they said. It's that instant, instant credibility, like, oh, they're actually looking out for me. Uh, and then you can get in another conversation because sometimes that does change.
1: Right. How powerful is a conversation that, say, we had a certain truck type a year ago that the driver wasn't a big fan of, and we mark the notes and we get a new truck delivery of the model that they're looking for. And you proactively reaching out and say, hey, Aaron, I know we spoke last year. You were looking for that Freightliner we we just got a delivery of freight liners. Is this something you're still looking for? And how much weight does that have versus sitting and waiting for Aaron to potentially call us back in the future?
0: That's great. And so, yeah, and a lot of times these drivers are hearing from five, ten different fleets. You right. know, and so it that that may seem like something small, but you can you can completely differentiate because nine out of ten carriers may not actually be doing that. So, so I love that point. So one of the things we talked about on our pre-call is, is talking about like uh, recruiter compensation. And, and, you know, since our audience, uh, a lot of its directors are recruiting and executives in the industry. What have you kind of learned on comp packages for recruiters that, you know, both motivates them and also aligns with with your company goals?
1: Yeah, director recruiting is one of the toughest gigs in the game. You've got constant pressure to get the positions full, be dynamic. Sometimes you feel like you're only as good as your last recruiting class of orientation, et cetera. So first is getting that dialogue and understanding from the top down, what are your organization goals? Are we in maintenance mode, as a lot of fleets are right now with this market? Are we in rapid growth mode, going crazy aggressive to really grow the fleet? What's the urgency? Do we have to fill these positions in a month or is it an overtime solution? By getting that understanding, you can really fine tune your incentive structure and your team structure, not only on the marketing that you're putting into the funnel, but as you mentioned on the recruiter compensation as well. What I found is a a good mix of, at the time, a hire and retention aspect is a good balance with the recruiter so that They're not just focused on the quantity to get those spots full as quick as possible, but there's also that quality element to hopefully make sure that driver's equipped to stay.
0: So one of the things I've noticed, if it's all just get them in the door, then you, you know, you can have a deviation, even if you have the values of radical honesty, which I know you do with your teams with the drivers and giving them the best information, you know, sometimes you can misalign incentives and then people try to get them in the door because then they get that, you know bonus or hit their numbers. So what what kind of balance have you found there like let's say a 90-day re- retention bonus like you were talking about versus just a uh, incentive for for getting them in the door.
1: Yeah, again it's really tough. You're in a tough spot as director of recruiting. You've got your recruiters that want to make as much money as possible. They want it all up front, right? And then you've got your safety operations and your leadership team that wants to keep drivers as long as possible. So I've seen everywhere across the spectrum of 100% at the time of hire, it's ops's situation to keep them, all the way to you're not getting a dime until that driver stays until 90 days. What I found is a good balance of that. I like somewhere of the 75-ish percent at the time of hire, the recruiter's doing the majority of the work to get that candidate qualified get them sold on your organization and your position, and ultimately get them sold in in the door for your orientation. And then roughly that 25% left hanging out for retention to have that quality aspect there is a balance that I particularly have found successful.
0: That's great. What about like, uh, I'm kind of curious on this. I don't know what most fleets do here, but do you have like a guaranteed base like typically for recruiters and then that's on top of that? Is that how that works, or is it just commission only, or is it
1: kind of a mix in the industry? Wide mix in the industry. I've talked with peers that they're 100% salary, and they just they have goals and hold their team accountable. And I've talked with others that you've got several contracted-only positions that they have to get hires, and they're not getting paid at all. Again, I kind of like that, that balance of a livable wage that is uh, not a crazy high salary, But then really having a crystal clear and simple incentive structure so that your most hungry recruiters that are going to do the most work and get the most hires can make a really good amount of money. But it's not so top heavy that your lowest performer is also highly compensated there. So, again, I kind of like that balance of a a pretty solid base and then aggressive, simple and defined bonus structure on top of that. That's really clear for them to understand. One last thing on the compensation for recruiters. Don't get Uh stuck in the box. I'd recommend on your incentive structure that you've got for your team. One of my favorite things that I've done over the years is I call them sprints, like a short term, like, hey, this month, we need X number of drivers for ABC dedicated account. We're looking to get that full. Anybody that uh, gets drivers hired, we've, uh, we've obviously got our transparent and clear, simple to understand bonus program for you. But for this month, we're going to run whoever gets the most hires gets a couple hundred dollar Amazon gift card and make it a team short term. I call it a sprint. So you're sprinting after that goal for that particular time frame creates that extra oomph and that extra dynamic with your team. And uh, hopefully you can have some fun with your team around that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had the former director of recruiting for uh C R S T so like say the same thing. He's like the most motivating thing we've ever done, like for our team, like that has that collaboration. And sometimes they fight after more than, you know, even even the comp, which is significantly more, is those gift cards and just yeah. the thought of, hey, we recognize what you do. And then and then I think also it's just that camaraderie of and like team building and competitive spirit and growth mindset as a team i think it it just the cultural implications are crazy just a, a little little things like that whether it's like unrecognized gift cards like 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 unplanned just hey you know we weren't you know we just noticed the extra effort you put in this month and here but then also those pre-planned incentives and sprints i like i like the way you word that do yeah. you do that like typically every month or quarterly or just ad hoc like how, how do you kind of decide when you're going to do that
1: a little bit ad hoc, as we know in trucking, the goals change constantly on that. When, when there's a big, dire need like to throw that out, it probably balances to one solid one a quarter. And if you get a tie, I would recommend an epic rock, paper, scissors battle like I've had them in the past for a $200 gift card that makes it extra spicy for them.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Today's sponsor. Do you hire truck drivers in hard to fill areas or do you need help creating efficiency in your recruiting department? You're not alone. With 50 plus years experience, Trucking Clicks specializes in data-driven strategies, industry-leading customer experience, and custom solutions that'll get you to your goal. Trucking Clicks is your go-to place for high-quality direct leads at scale. Visit truckingclicks.com or call 512-982-0816 today. What other things do you do to kind of build relationship with your department, like with your recruiting department?
1: That constant dialogue, I know a lot, like my team is 100% remote. I work hybrid at the terminal every couple of weeks in Chicago. And then I'm in Indianapolis. We've got a couple in Chicago, one in Alabama, one in Kansas. So that remote environment makes that, it's a great, it's got tons of pros and cons, working remote or hybrid, but it makes it harder to have those interpersonal conversations and those small, you can't pop by somebody's office and say, Hey, Sue, how was, how was your weekend? How's things going? You have to go through an extra barrier to have those conversations. So being intentional on that is extremely key. Managing a team like that of not only getting your one-on-ones set up and consistent, that constant engagement, team chat, team calls, but also just that communication. You almost have to over-communicate even more in that environment than you would have in person. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We actually with uh, Trucking Clicks and Hire Truckers teams are, you know, mostly remote. Like I have one, one per- two people in Austin with me, and then everybody else is remote. And I used to think that having a conversation around, like, how was your weekend or whatever, like, because I was purely business minded was like a waste of time and wasting company resources. <laughs> like that probably sounds insensitive, but that's really the way I thought. And, but I've just found, like, I mean, you know, we we spend more time working uh, working with our coworkers than a lot of times with our family, you know, after hours and on weekends. And so, it, it's just so important to build those relationships and have those conversations about life. Like, it's not just about filling trucks. It's about what are your goals outside of work. What's a big win? One of the things we do in our leadership meeting every every Monday. As we go through and we're like, Hey, what's one personal win from the last week? And it, you know, it's been anything from got a new dog to, you know, hit a, hit a workout goal or read this new book or I mean, really anything. Like my win from this last week is like, I took a weekend with just my dad and my three and a half year old uh, and just planned a little trip to a VRBO and hung out and, you know, completely not work related. But you know it's important with in office teams, but exponentially more important with with fully remote teams and i and I've kind of found now to get the best talent like like post covid you know at least for us like we we have to go remote and like let people you know if you want the best of the best in the industry, you gotta let them work from wherever and it it just you know it's kind of kind of changed everything and then we try to get the team in person quarterly, so like every three months like how can we get everybody together most of the team together somewhere so maybe you know mid-america truck show or women in trucking you know maybe we tack it on to another event and just get get as many people as we can together super super important very nice so next we'll go into the section on just marketing trends so what what are you testing now or have you tested in the past few months uh, in your marketing
1: One of the things I'm a big fan of that has been a shift, not only with myself, but some industry peers, and this again goes back to that power of networking and collaboration amongst is, if you look during COVID, everybody was in hyper, hyper growth mode, can't get drivers in fast enough, growing like wild across the entire industry. A lot of that brought out some some weird bonuses out there. We were going after sign-on bonus chasing. There was a lot of, you had to be the top one in your sector in the marketing or you felt like you're not going to get candidates. I've seen a lot of shift and I think it's definitely for the best of pulling back on that and in the mindset of more let's undersell and over deliver and speak with confidence about what's real and what we're actually going to be able to deliver rather than just try to throw the highest dollar or manipulate marketing potentially to look like you're one percent better than your peer down the road is is one of the things I've seen.
0: Yeah. Like, what have the results kind of look like on a high level just over the last 12 to 18 months?
1: A lot more candidates per position, for sure. Where, again, speaking to during COVID, you couldn't get drivers in fast enough that everybody was trying to get drivers in. And now a lot more fleets like ourselves are closer to that full mark for your fleet. So it's more the quality focus, really vetting out the candidate. I've seen a lot of hiring guideline shifts in the last couple of years as well, where when you're trying to bring in as much as possible, a lot of carriers kind of loosened up on those hiring guidelines, whether that's accidents or number of jobs or experience in that, seen a lot more fleets, ourselves included, pull that back in to, again, lean on that quality candidate more so than the the quantity that has been a major focus the last couple of years.
0: I remember for a season, it was like going from like post, post-COVID, post like going from, okay, well, you need two years experience. Okay, now you only need one month or one yeah. year experience. Now you only need nine months experience. And then two weeks later, six months experience. And, you know, most fleets like bottomed out at, you know, three months experience, like even even for OTR levels. And then now I'm seeing, like you're saying, kind of the inverse of, all right, two years' experience, or hey, I'm only bringing on the guys that are you know the best of the best with ten years, fifteen years experience, you know now that trucks are full, Yep. we've seen just major it's crazy how quickly this industry can swing you know massively uh and i and I think we saw you know I've been through four four cycles of recruitment kind of downturns and spot rate changes. And this last one was the most aggressive. Just, I mean, it was it was wild. Um, and sometimes their departments had to increase their budget, like on just the paid marketing side, like four x. Right. And then, and then now we've kind of seen a reversal of that this past year to eighteen months. The last section, which I get most excited about, and particularly with you, is uh, around mindset and motivation, because uh, I'm always encouraged by your just. Like, hey, have a great week, posts. And and if you're not following Brad on on LinkedIn, um, I would recommend you give give Brad Hackett a follow. So what do you think mindset should be of a recruiting director? Kind of as you, you've been in multiple roles in that capacity over the last couple of years, last last decade or so.
1: Yeah, Aaron, I fully believe mindset starts everything. Like Everything drives from the attitude and mindset that you bring to anything in life. Again, I, I, we're all wired very uniquely to be those that are in this sector and our recruiting directors. We've got really tough gigs out there. We've got really short-term, aggressive, big problems to solve for our organization. We've got a sales recruiting team that we've got to lead and keep motivated and as you mentioned with all of the market swings you have to keep up not only organization wise but delivering that message over communicating to your team there's a lot on our shoulders so all that to be said i i don't think there's it's been a mindset of mine that it's really wasted time if we're either negatively focused or talking down about any other person either internally or externally and i've just seen compound not only in my personal life but professional life the power of building each other up having each other's backs showing each other that hey we really do care about each other and even if we're competitors in the space like like i said before there's plenty of market share we all can win here and i would much rather live in an internal circle and world where we're building each other up and leaning on each other and iron sharpening iron than one that's poking and prodding and Trying to find any way to put a peer down,
0: yeah, one of the terms I heard you say when we were discussing some of this earlier is like and you mentioned it a little bit just now, but touch more on like reserved optimism, like what is that, and why should a recruiting director be in that posture and and also just topic executive leadership?
1: yeah, I like the the phrase reserved optimism because in recruiting again our our entire approach is sales. We're selling our organization to prospective candidates for them to come on board and join our organization. So if you're not at least leaning on the optimism and positivity of that, I'd question you're, you're maybe in the wrong wrong role there. But you can't also with that, you can't be overly optimistic, overly aggressive and go wild because this market is really complicated. We have a lot of factors at play, a lot of things that are way above our head, industry trends, rates, things of that nature with interest rates, et cetera. So you want to lean into that optimism, but in a reserved function to not only have attainable goals with your leadership team and your day-to-day team, but also not be too aggressive at the same time.
0: Yeah. How do, how do you keep the line of communication open? Let's say like with the C-suite that you know, is really looking at the P&L like both both on the you know downswing when freight, freight rates are down the companies are less profitable not decreasing recruiting spend too much but then also on the upside like when you do need more budget and there's an opportunity to pick up market share how do you keep that line of communication open so that you don't make a you know decision at the wrong time that could could cause massive you know
1: negative impact down the road yeah, I think it's extremely important, especially director level. We're managing teams of teams. We're in a unique spot, usually close to leadership and also having to manage downstream as well. So managing upstream with your C suite or your leadership team is getting alignment on what those goals are. What are we, what are we shooting for as a team? What's that look like the next quarter? What's that look like the next year? What's that look like the next month? So not only just week over week getting inundated in the day-to-day and getting very short-term focus there, but aligning that and getting the clear and concise data to discuss, have good dialogue on what we're doing, what, what we're where we're pointed, where we're aligned to, not only week-to-week, month-to-month, but looking out quarters and a year ahead where we're going.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of my question is like how far out do you plan, how frequently... Should again, in an ideal ideal situation, I know you've worked in a few different roles, but how often ideally,
1: should you be doing that, and how far out should you be planning? I like our structure at Nova Lines. We've got weekly cadence with our executive leadership team and the other departmental leaders. So we're discussing what's right in front of us. What's the outlook look like? How's our turnover? How's our class size? making sure we're balancing that to keep a good fleet level with where we're at. But then also on that mo- monthly or quarterly basis, having that more long term discussion that, yeah, you're going to have your week to week of what that's going to look like, but especially alignment up the chain of command so that you're planning as a team, you're planning in that dialogue in the same direction that they want to go, and you can reiterate that. So I'd say monthly or quarterly on those more long term discussions.
0: That's great. And then one of the questions we had that came in from LinkedIn. Um, again, I'd recommend you follow both Brad and I on LinkedIn uh, because I, we always ask, you know, what what you want on the show. So the question from Ginger is: Last week, I had a director of recruiting ask me, "What can I do to reduce driver ghosting between an approved application through safety and manager approval uh, all the way to orientation?"
1: That's yeah, solid question. A lot of us we're spending a ton of money, ton of time, investment to get these candidates qualified and hopefully in the door. And there's probably nothing worse in this space than you have a, a candidate that's rock solid on paper, has given you the verbal commitments, and then they no-show to your orientation this morning when you expect them to be there. So I've not talked to anybody that's a 100% on this. I don't think anybody as amazing as any any team or any structure can be is going to get that way. But I've found success in leaning into a couple – areas to help improve the show rate from here to here. Again, not quite perfection, but definitely a lot closer than where we were months prior. A couple of things that we've done is the clarity of the communication with the drivers, looking at what emails, what texts are going out from the recruiters during that process. So you've got that driver, you're actively recruiting them. They want to go the next step to submit that full app, get them approved. The clarity of communication, what does that next step look like, Mr. or Mrs. Driver, so they can expect what's going to be that next step. As we all know, drivers are talking to often multiple carriers. I think 10th Street shared a, a recent conference on average five from what they've seen with their data. I've seen elsewhere that. So you're you're basically competing with five sets of information with that given candidate. So the clarity of your messaging is astronomically important so that they can reference that, understand what those next steps look like on down the pipe when that driver is fully approved we get them scheduled for orientation another thing that we've done that's one of the favorite things that i do in my role even at the director level is getting a management touch point with that driver so the friday before their orientation i'm calling every single driver individually and going over a solid checklist of making sure they understand our program making sure they have all of their flight rental car information making sure it's clear on how our hotel works when they land so easing that candidate of what's going to be that process of them coming on because it's a big decision they're making a big job change there it's a life changing decision for them to come on board with your company so anything that you can do to not only solidify their decision to come on board with as much clarity and information and conciseness as you can but also to make them feel the warm and welcome to your organization that somebody from executive management is taking 20 minutes out of their time to introduce them, make sure that they've got all their questions answered and that they feel comfortable coming on board with, with Nova lines or whatever company you're working with.
0: Hmm. So, so I think in terms of data, I'm very much a data guy being in, you know, the, primarily the marketing vendor space. So Like what kind of pickup, like just that management touch point or just some touch point that Friday before, like does that increase show rate 5%, 2%, 10%, like
1: again, just ballpark? Across all of our efforts, so we've done some clarity on the recruiting messaging and uh, making sure we've got conciseness there along with our management welcome call that I had mentioned before. We've seen a 15% increase in our show rate with those measures that we put in place.
0: Yeah. And see that that's amazing like because it's just something so simple and so you think like let's say you're a fleet spending 100,000 a month or 200,000 a month you know that's you know 15 to 30,000 like in marketing efficiencies like for instance if you just took that that could go straight to the bottom line and then also just it's also a benefit to yeah just the driver that's just that personal touch relational touch so I would think it even has a retention impact too. So it's maybe
1: even greater than that 15%. Absolutely. Um, I believe that 100%. And last thing on that is our default mode for a lot of people in this space, myself certainly included, is we're 100 miles an hour after a problem that's in front of us. We We go, we get crap done. But in those driver interactions, especially at those pivotal conversations, it's super important to really slow down do your couple of minutes of research on that driver so you can have a a good two-way conversation and you're not just checking a box.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Sometimes I, you know, with the aim of getting stuff done and am short with the team or even in personal relationships, like try to move too quickly. Yeah. It just, it, when you're having that personal conversation and touch point, like, just the importance of slowing down like breathing, sometimes I even have to like walk around like reset like if I know I'm in like the get stuff done mode uh, to put that other hat on and And so the last question to kind of to kind of wrap it up, what have you read that has been a really influential book, whether it's around mindset in the, in the recruiting process or or just anything that's really you know impacted your life both personally and professionally?
1: The one that sticks out, Aaron, for me, it was a couple of years ago. It's one of those books that I feel like I've come back to yearly is uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Just having that mindset of no excuses, own what's in front of you, and completely own your team, your processes, and the things that you can control. There's so much power to that, and I found so much success in that mindset shift and that that frame. So that's that's my pick there. How about you? Yeah.
0: I absolutely love that book. Most recently, just because of the the stage of growth we're in in the business is 10x is easier than 2x. Okay. And um, it's by uh, Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. They're the authors also of Who Not How and The Gap and the Gain, which are also two incredible books. And yeah, just, uh, you know, similar to the extreme ownership concept, just you know that there, there's the aspect of you own it like how do I get to 10x but then there's also the aspect of like creating that vision because I'm, I'm a big believer of just if you you know take the time to slow down and think about that long-term vision and 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 you know with our business we have a, a lot of you know growth goals ahead of us like we've 10x in the last two and a half years um and and we have you know uh, our goal is to 10x a couple more times and, and continue to grow and, and add value. And, and yeah, so 10x is easier than 2x. Uh, and then uh, honestly, I'd read the whole trilogy. I'd start with like, who not how, gap in the gain, and then uh, 10x, is easier 2x. Like the gap in the gain specifically is about, so often we get caught up in, you know, where am I falling short now? Like the gap rather than, you know where am i now like relative to where was i a year ago and then just you know especially you know amongst high achievers like we can be kind of have a lot of negative self talk uh around well oh, i'm still not doing this perfect and and kind of like you mentioned earlier in the conversation just it, you know you're never going to be perfect like with you know getting people to show up for orientation or you know, you might have that one recruiting class that you typically get twenty to forty in, and you get five. Right. And you know, it's just and and you just have to keep put putting in the reps and extreme ownership. Like you said, looking at the data. Yeah, I love, I love, love that book as well. Yeah, so I I really appreciate your time today, Brad. Uh, I enjoy our conversations as always, and I think we added added a lot of value to the community. Uh, and so I really, really appreciate you taking this time. Um, And yeah, so this is uh, Aaron Craddock with the Hire Truckers podcast, and we appreciate you joining today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today. Our goal with the Hire Truckers podcast is to provide industry insights, marketing trends and motivation to level up your recruiting game. If we added value, take a few seconds to share this with your network. Have a great week.